This is Getting Past the Subtitles. I am Sean Peel. This is DK Lee. And welcome to the Thailand series. So yeah, this is uh, last week in the Thailand series. Last week we watched um, Heart Attack, right? Yes. Which was my pick. Pretty enjoyable, pretty interesting. Um, it's a movie about young love and the failure of said young, young love. <laughs> uh, definitely go watch that one out. But this week, we are going to wrap it up with a interesting film that I enjoyed. Uh, this was Lee's pick called The Last Life in the Universe. And this came out in 2003. It was directed by Penik Ratan Rang. Wow. I just, this series and these names are killing me. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so yeah, why did you, why did you pick this one, Lee? What, what made you catch your eye? Because you hadn't seen this one either, correct? Yeah. I think what caught my eye was um, the stills from the film that I saw mm. and the poster and the name attached to it, Christopher Doyle. Um, I really like his work. And uh, watching this movie, um, yeah, like the cinematography in this film, really quite beautiful. And you can see um, a lot of uh, deliberation and... Mm. Like specificity in the way that you know the camera is used and camera positions and stuff like that. Sure. That really, I think, helped um, create the overall mood and style for this film. Mm. No, I agree. Um, it it's funny because like that's like I want to di- dispute you, but like you, it is pretty like deliberate in cinematography but to me like in a way that you're not really supposed to notice that like the cam work you know Mm. like like when i was watching it i think cinematography was probably one of the aspects that was really in the back of my mind because it was really in service of just watching the scenes and the performances take place you know without having to be like oh yeah that's a pretty cool camera move or the camera like it does move in some scenes, but hardly moves. To me, it was like the movie was really voyeuristic. And like, I mean, pretty much everything was in a wide. And a lot of times we were like behind objects. Like we were like behind a wall or like behind a counter or like maybe in a different room. And we were watching them from a different You know what I mean? Like it mm. all kind of supported that sense. Yeah, surely, like, the framing of this film, it's very voyeuristic. The way that the camera moves is very voyeuristic. It's very slow and methodical in the way that it moves. And it gives a sense of just watching the people doing their thing and trying to be as quiet as possible. And I think that, you know, like you said, it's part of the hiddenness of of the camera but I think if you look for it, then you can really see that it's a deliberate camera moving mm. um, to evoke this voyeuristic feel. Yeah, yeah. That's so like it, I mean, it's you have to be deliberate to you know do something like that. But then, like you know, it plays kind of like into itself. Mm. But overall, like it is like no way am I saying that. Like, am I kicking that? My point. Uh, I'm saying that like I mean, it really supports the overall theme, and like you said, it really helps create the tone of the film and kind of like the atmosphere of it overall. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when you watch this, what are, what was kind of your first impression after the fact? Uh, it's, to be honest, it was a little bit confusing because uh, there's a mm. lot of... Um, the narrative is not just linear. There's a lot of different kind of jumping off points. Sure. I, I'm sure. not sure if it's if it's particularly not linear but it's more like there are different scenes and different shots that juxtapose and there's these different shots that kind of create a dreamlike feel to it and that all of that jumbled up creates 
a sort of confusion for me in in understanding really um, wholly what the movie is about or what mm. the movie is trying to uh, tell us as sure. you watch it. So I had a little bit of confusion, but I think it was a good kind of confusion where you kind of you're left wondering about what this movie is about and what it's talking about and just yeah. what happens and what their relationship you know turns out to be especially near the end because there's a right. lot of moments where you're not sure if uh what one of the scenes is the canonical scene or is just like you know the like main character's daydream. thoughts or something like <laughs> yeah. that so a lot of that kind of it's it's a very uh cool way of using that to um not give any conclusions to the story but allow right. the audience to kind of make their own conclusions about it which like i said before about the movie last week like i like movies where it lets the audience kind of think and ponder about it and and make them wonder and come to conclusions about the movie and sure. the relationships and the outcomes of the main characters and stuff i think that's you know a, a good way of kind of creating a conversation so i think that this movie too i really liked about it yeah i mean like on the top of the conclusion and we can get to later but this movie is interesting that it kind of it gives you an answer but then kind of like reneges it at the end and sort of leaves you to like well you can believe that that happens or not you know what i mean it kind of gives yeah. you like an already definitive hopefulness but then kind of leaves it it to your decision on like if that is chronologically correct or is it something else entirely you know mm -hmm. um overall i kind of feel the same for you in like near the end i think some events and some like scenes specifically become a little more like in that realm of unconvolutedness like outside of the ending scene i remember like another scene or two where like it'll happen and it'll cut back to Kenji and then like you kind of get confused or like not even that but with like even with um Noi like she changes costumes a lot <laughs> mid scenes yeah. and you get lost in like did those things chronologically happen or were they like figments of Kenji's like head or even Noi too were they just like or are we put in noise head and then no. just like have a different imagery so like but those are purposely done you know so you you are kind of supposed to wonder about it and the movie never like gives it to you straight as to like what that thematically means you just kind of have to you know it's like all visionary like it's all visual and you just have to like piece it together yourself i think like in terms of the story though and like narrative for me, I follow along with it and kind of knew. Um, but I do see what you're saying. There's a lot of times where, like, an action will happen and then we'll return back to the action into, like, a future scene or, like, it'll kind of cross between this scene to the next. And it can kind of seem confusing then. But to me, like, for example, when after the hospital scene and Kenji goes back to work and then Noi shows up with his bag because she's like, hey, you left this bag. And then they go to the elevator. And then, like, right before they go to the elevator, it cuts back to the scene where the, the car accident happens with uh, Noe's sister, uh, Need. And then you kind of get, like, a little more context of, like, what happened in that scene. But it kind of adds, like, an emotional weight to Kenji and Noe, like, sitting in the elevator together. You know what I mean? Kind of, like, really strengthens, like, that scene more. Yeah. But it tends... But, like, similar scenes kind of happen throughout as well. And, like, to that point, there are just, like, for me, maybe what I had the most problem with is, like, you, as, like, a viewer, you you don't really know, like, what happens a lot. Like, with Kenji and Noi, you don't know a lot about, like, their life outside of, like, what's happening in real time. So, like, a lot of, um, what's that word? like expositional stuff kind of happens like the whole yakuza bit i was like is so random to me because like it's 
sometimes I'm like, oh, is Kenji like part of Yakuza or is his brother Yakuza and he's just like living with him? And then you find out like he's actually Yakuza and then like the Yakuza come to like kill him as like a hit kind of thing. So like all that is like confusing to me as well. But that's because like that's like a narrative plot point that we're just never told up front, you know, but that feels like something that we should know. You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, I mean, the narratively, uh, it wasn't that confusing. It was just the fact that, like, what's happening between the relationship was a little bit mm. confusing. Is what I'm trying to say. Like, like understanding exactly what is real life and what is almost like the dreamlike scenes, and trying to yeah. piece that out and trying to understand like where exactly these two characters are at in terms of their relationship. Mm-hmm. And understanding whether or not, you know, they're on the same page or not. Sure. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. Why don't you just give us the synopsis? Go ahead. So Kenji is a librarian in the Japan Foundation in Bangkok. And he lives in an apartment um, where he has like a crap ton of books. And he's very suicidal. And so he always tries to kill himself. But he's always interrupted by something like something happens whether like somebody knocks on the door or like a phone <laughs> rings. And every time he's about to like um, mm. commit suicide, things like that happen. And, uh, you know, Kenji has a older brother who comes um, to his house and his name is Yukio and he is a Yakuza. And he escaped Japan um, because basically he... Uh, had sex with the daughter of his employer and he is running away from him because you know he's in trouble <laughs> <laughs> and so Yukio's friend uh Takashi tells him that if I were the employer I'll go and kill him but um Yukio is like nah that's never going to happen and he's just like chilling in Bangkok mm. yeah and Yukio goes to this club and there are like call girls and stuff like that there. And one of the girls' name is Nid. And um, she has a sister named Noi. And Noi is mad at Nid because Nid slept with um, Noi's boyfriend, John. And one day, Kenji is, he's like uh, organizing the books. And he encounters Nid like looking, looking at the books. And... He like it's just like a scene there. Um yeah. it's nothing really happens, but it's kind of a scene where he he sees Nid and is kind yeah. of like looking at her. And uh Yukio Yukio basically always like brings presents and stuff um into Kenji's house and one day Kenji is like looking through and he sees a teddy bear and he looks inside the teddy bear and sees a pistol. And while Yukio is in Kenji's house. Um, he brings his friend Takashi, but uh, Takashi is also employed by Yukio's former employer and is uh, has a hit on Yukio because of what he did to the daughter. And so basically, Takashi kills Yukio, and um, Kenji starts hearing the gunshots, and he goes out to the living room and sees that Yukio is killed by Takashi. Mm. And at that moment. Uh, Kenji with the gun that he found in the teddy bear he kills Yukio's uh, friend Takashi and there's two bot- dead bodies now in the house and basically he cleans it up and he hides them in the house after that uh, after that Kenji is like walking near a bridge and he's about to kill himself and that's when Noi and Nid are like driving past and they're having an argument because of the what happened with John and how um, Nid basically slept with John and Noi is mad about it. And yeah. Noi tells Nid to get out of the car and just walk. And while Nid is walking, she sees Kenji about to jump off the bridge and she's looking at him. And while she's distracted, a car hits Nid and she dies from getting hit by the car. And after that, because Kenji and, and Noi, they both lost siblings, they kind of have this weird relationship where um, Noi goes and, you know, talks to Kenji and tells him, you know, you left the, your belongings at the hospital, 
because they both went together to the hospital because mm. you know he was there at the at the scene and he, he he was you know kind of at fault because she was looking at him I guess and so uh, Noe brings back Kenji's stuff and at that moment you know they kind of start to um, build a relationship like they go out and eat dinner and stuff and because of the corpse in Kenji's house he doesn't want to go back to his own house and weirdly enough he's like hey can I go <laughs> chill at your house <laughs> and Noe is just Noe is just like okay yeah come and so like he he starts like hanging out in her house and never wants to go back to his house so she lets him stay longer and longer mm. and Noe's house is like a big mess so Kenji decides to like clean the house and wash dishes and stuff like that super OCD yeah and as like the film progresses like their relationship becomes more and more you know they become friends and they kind of get closer and closer but mm. there's all always this, this weird um, almost dreamlike or almost like magic like moments where like the house like cleans itself or like Noi turns into like she's like wearing different clothes all of a sudden and and it like it's all to kind of portray a different kind of angle to their relationship mm. and understanding what their relationship is like and so they start to have this really weird like almost romantic but kind of just like friendship like relationship sure. and while that's going on um john uh noise you know boyfriend you know, quote unquote boyfriend. He keeps <laughs> calling and Noe gets angry at him because she doesn't want to talk to him. And she decides that she wants to leave Bangkok and go to Japan as she was like studying, learning Japanese and stuff like that. And she wants to leave Japan. Yeah. And while that's happening, one day John comes into uh, Noe's house and begins to beat her up. And Kenji basically drives him away. And after that, um, Noi decides to go to Japan. And uh, Kenji drives Noi to the airport. And she leaves. And Kenji comes back um, home. And he decides that he wants to go to Japan as well. So he's about to go to Japan. Um, but like as he's about to leave the house, he has this huge... Uh, diarrhea and he has to go to the bathroom he goes to the bathroom and while he's while he's in the bathroom john comes into his house trying to kill him but you know since he's not in the bathroom he doesn't like they miss they cross paths and while john's like looking around the house um he's yakuza from japan who's trying to figure out what happened to um takeshi come and try in trying to kill kenji as well and so John and the Yakuza, they fight. And John basically dies at that place. And the Yakuza are like looking around the house and they hear the toilet drain going down. And they go into the bathroom and mm-hmm. find that the window is broken. And basically Kenji escaped um, through the window. And at the end, the last scenes, we see Kenji arrested for some reason. And we also see Noi in Japan where she's um, working at, at a restaurant. And at the end, um, there's this moment where Noi is staying at this house. And one of the women there tells Noi that somebody's looking for her. And we see Noi like going out with a happy face. And I guess supposedly, I guess that's, you know, Kenji coming back and they re- them reuniting um so that's but. how basically the movie movie basically ends um okay. <clears throat> and like the thing that you talked about with the book the last lizard is a book that Kenji talks about it's a children's book about this reptile who realizes that he's the last one alive and he talks about how like the lizard realizes that you know being with somebody, even if it's your enemies, is better than being alone. And that's kind of the theme of the movie. Mm. Yeah, not bad. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, 
Yeah, and it's kind of funny that like, like the book sort of represents a like the whole kind of like theme of a, the film mm-hmm. of, the, of the film, or like it wants to. But like, <laughs> it's ironic that Kenji himself like doesn't want to live anymore, right? Because he's pretty suicidal. Yeah, and he kind of he kind of explains in the beginning that it isn't that the reason why isn't because he's like suffering from anything, mm-hmm. but more just doesn't have a desire to live or just to go through like kind of like a day to day thing. Yeah. Um, but then kind of like learns, but kind of like you know gets reinvigorated to like live again or like enjoy the day-to-day lives of aspects when he meets uh noi and they kind of have like that relationship yeah um so it's funny that like he's kind of like attracted to that book in the beginning and it kind of like learns from it after the fact because I mean, he's not like totally alone from the start like he has his brother who doesn't really care about i guess that you can consider him his enemy <laughs> yeah <laughs> in that sense so I mean, um, even even at the beach, he talks about when Noi asks, like, do you miss your brother? And he's like, no, not really. Nah, not really. That conversation, that, that scene itself is is just, like, weird. <laughs> like, when they start talking, he's like, do you miss your sister? Like, yo, that happened, like, <laughs> not that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, the way they talked in, in that scene is, like... So nonchalant. Just, yeah, so casual. It's a little disassociative a bit um yeah any any moment like particular that really attracted you i thought that moment um that i really enjoyed was when noi and kenji are sleeping together on the sofa and they fall asleep and kenji wakes up and I think he had a wet dream or something like that, right? He jizzed his pants. And and yeah, basically he jizzed his pants and he's like cleaning his pants. But later on, we also see... It's almost like a a dream-like moment where... Like he, well, he talked about where Noi like keeps changing clothes and stuff. But it's also right. where like Noi, I think, takes a bath and comes out and tells... Kenji to take a bath as well because he smells. Yeah, yeah. And at that moment, a little while after that, it goes back to them sleeping on the sofa. And so I, what I was wondering or what I thought was that it was Kenji's dream and that's why he had he had the wet dream <laughs> because of that. And well, that's they, my interpretation so, of it. Yeah. Oh, so they went back to the couch after that scene? I thought yeah. he did. Because it, there's that because there's that moment when they're on the couch and yeah. Noi turns into like Nid or like she's right. wearing Nid's clothes. Right, right. And and then later on, like there's that moment, it comes back to that sofa moment. And the dream sequence had happened right before it and they come back to the sofa moment. And so I'm wondering whether or not if that was mm. Kenji's. Oh, are you t- are you talking about, about like like the shot for shot thing like it like goes to the shot of them like it doesn't like play out the scene but it's like like it's like a little yeah it goes back to that shot. shot yeah it goes yeah, back yeah, to yeah. the shot of them on the on the on sofa them. right but then like she's not in costume during that it's kind of like what yeah, really she's happened not. kind of thing yeah 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 so i'm uh, wondering if that's like what happened that's the dream right, sequence that right. happened in his dream while he was having the wet dream about yeah yeah <laughs> now that's interesting actually i didn't i didn't even think of that 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 could be true yeah it could be interesting it's funny because it's so displaced that it like just the the sequence that it happens it is like can it's so canon you know mm-hmm. it feels like to me it just like felt like i really couldn't tell you like how i could have interpreted um noi like basically turning into nid for yeah. like a third of the movie Right, because so I is that that's the first thing that it happens, right? So like they're they're both on the couch and she's like watching the movie and then she like beckons him over, mm-hmm. and then basically she like falls asleep on his lap and then like when she's up sitting up she's in regular costume and then when she lays on his lap and then we cut too closer to them we see that she's like 
in her like uniform for when she was like a yeah. at the place, which is basically like a schoolgirl uniform. Um, and then even after that scene, so after like he just his pants, and then she's like, Noi is burning all of her sister's clothes outside. Yeah. She's still in wearing the clothes costume. Yeah. yeah, and so it's like that's when I really was like a little confused to like, so is this interpretational or is this canon? You know, right? And then when is the moment that like she kind of turns back? I kind of forget. Or is it just... It just cuts to a different scene and then it comes back later. Probably. Yeah, she comes yeah, back later. Just like the way that it happens just feels like off. And then I don't know who to like... Like if it is like something to interpret, like who is kind of like imagining it? Because like sometimes it's... You see that like Kenji kind of imagines things or like daydreams about stuff. And you're, yeah. you recognize that like, okay, I'm in his head. But the same thing happens with like Noi. But yeah. in in that context, it's like I don't know whose mind I'm in exactly. Right, and especially like when the house starts cleaning itself. Mm-hmm. That I feel like is in Noi's mind, right? A hundred percent. Like yeah, as yeah, she's yeah. walking through the house, right, like, right. The house starts becoming cleaner and stuff. So I'm thinking that's Noi, and also yeah. because you know she always smokes and she's always like doing weed and stuff. Right. So you so you have a what, sense yeah. that, that she's it's the one because that's hallucinating and stuff. Yeah. Right. So that's why I was like, I mean, that scene like was like pretty on the nose where, I mean, she's smoking like right before and I'm like, okay, she's high. And this is kind of like a dream sequence in a way. And then it kind of falls back into like, she's reminiscing about her sister, you know? And then that's why she grabs like the picture frame and sitting there. Yeah. And then like, she, I mean, she's always smoking. And then like, even before when she changes costumes, like she's smoking in that scene. So mm-hmm. kind of like leans toward, towards like, it's Noi, but noise like sleeping in that scene, you know? So it's like it's a little hard to kind of you know um to like see or decide what's going on there yeah but overall like interesting nonetheless like i'm not saying that it's a bad thing towards the film Mm -hmm. but an interesting choice that you know like it's it's definitely up for interpretation each and every way but it's it's um i don't know it's like a it's it's a question (laughs) yeah i mean i really enjoyed how the film was edited yeah because yeah. it really made it more engaging um i i feel like if it was just straight straightforward mm. there's not really much there narratively for it to really pull the weight but i think the editing right. and the mood and the style and the dreamlike elements of the film really made it intriguing yeah and the it's music definitely... too yeah i agree it's definitely all those things are the backbone of the film 100 percent Mm-hmm. I really like the soundtrack actually. I it's same. It's super subtle, but same. like is there to invoke like what you're watching at a certain yeah. time. Yeah. Like like I like that moment we, we talked about it in the the elevator area where mm-hmm. she comes to give him the um his bag and stuff. Yeah. That moment they're just sitting there and he's standing there, she's sitting and the music kicks in for a good maybe like 10, 15 seconds. And it really right. gives you that um, environmental ambience that really grounds it in that world. And, and it really makes you feel a certain kind of way for them. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It has that sadness in the, in, the, in the music, but also this kind of weird longing and... Um, all, all of that mixed in right. to the music that makes you kind of attached it, to that it, that scene. It's super moody, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> now, I think, um, what do you think of, like, leaning towards, like, technicality? Like, the mixing overall in the movie? Because, I mean, it like, the music in some areas, like, really came through and, like, mm-hmm like overpowered the dialogue in and in like a lot of scenes i noticed and like uh, sometimes it was hard for me to like listen into what even the characters were saying themselves mm-hmm. because of like the soundtrack that was going on you know yeah and so it's it was an interesting choice for the filmmakers to like recede what they're talking about and kind of like throw in music more, yeah rather than like you know because like 
this movie has it too where there's some sequences where it's like a montage-esque kind of thing you know and then there's like music over the actions and there's not really dialogue happening and it's just there to kind of like move from like shot to shot and like it's a montage but then here there's a lot of scenes where they are talking but like the music still like really floods it like when they're driving like near the end to the airport like the music comes through so loud and then there's like these voiceover dialogues between them they're like super like light and like sounds very so like really distanced too i liked it i think it adds to the overall ambience of it and the style and the mood of it because those dialogue it's not necessarily meant to be important per se like it's it's Mm. it's not the focal point but it's all of that added together that makes that moment right and those those added dialogue is is more like uh the sprinkles on top of the uh, (laughs) cupcake kind of sure and another moment that i really thought was interesting was when she puts on that tape of the japanese uh learning you're learning the japanese um that tape cassette yeah and it, it goes was like through. there forever. <laughs> yeah, it was there for a long, long time. Like even when Kenji is like doing about to do the dishes and stuff like that. Yeah. All of that is like constantly there. And that through line is there. And I thought that was really interesting. Mm. Um, I don't know exactly what to make of it, but I think it's really, I don't know, it's really well placed. And a lot of the different like um, musical and audio, yeah, like parts of the film i really thought was very well done it provokes a certain kind of imagery and uh, a certain kind of mood yeah that is very attractive for some reason (laughs) Mm. (laughs) i mean i think if there's one thing that we can agree on is that like as quote-unquote like boring or like as you know like narratively empty the movie is like it, it is consistent through like the tone and the mood that mm-hmm. and the atmosphere that you're watching it all the time. And like, it's not just like, it's not one aspect alone that, that is able to do that. It's kind of like the collection of, of a lot of things in the movie that help maintain that consistent tone throughout, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that like in that scene, when she puts on the tape and then like literally for that entire scene, even after she's gone, like Kenji's alone, like you said, like you still hear like the translations and like that record tape still happening in the background to me like it is like a filler where like oh yeah we don't need music in this scene to like you know invoke the mood but mm-hmm. instead we just have this tape that like constantly plays throughout that yeah that's like keeps... connecting all the scenes together right right it keeps it like connected like you said like really seems it through and like somehow weirdly grounded like you know in that kind of world yeah and then like it i mean it, it kind of like has a little tie-in at the end because remember like at the end of that scene like the last translation is like welcome home or something like that it's like the japanese phrase like i am home or like welcome home and then like the thai translation and mm-hmm. then like it cuts to like a whole separate um a whole separate scene entirely yeah. so it it kind of does it smartly and with the sense of a purpose too like it isn't that just, it isn't there to just be there you know what i mean um i think for me my scene is probably like the little segment when so like they're they're starting to get closer kenji and noi and uh noi invites him to like go out and then they end up going to like some outside like arcade slash bar you know yeah and it's basically like them kind of having a good time Mm -hmm. i really like that scene just because it's different from what we from what we saw up to that point, you know, it's like a change of setting finally. And just like an interesting setting too. like nowhere have I seen like a a dance dance revolution, like station, (laughs) like in an outside tent. Like it's like an, it's like an outdoor, like boys and girls club kind Mm -hmm. of thing, you know? And then it goes to like them drinking at the bar and then like another old man is trying to speak Japanese to Kenji. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's just like that whole like scene and the vibe to it is really nice to see, you know. It's like a mm-hmm. nice change of pace and a a much more uplifting tone than what we've seen the entire way through, you know. Yeah. I really like the ending shot of when Noi is sitting in the airport 
I thought it was a nice touch when you see the screen next to her, and <laughs> and the ending credits are rolling on the screen. I thought that was a little nice touch. There's so many like things in this movie that are like ironic, mm. or just like so silly. There's that. Uh, did you catch the Itchy the Killer poster? When, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was in the library, which is the um, the actor Kenji um, Asano. Yeah. As, uh, Tadonobu Asano. I think that was his last role before that movie because he was in Itchy mm. the Killer. And there's a cameo by um, Takashi Mike. He's the Yakuza boss that flies yeah. down. So I was like, ah. It was very much like. <laughs> that's such a consistent thing in this series, like with uh, Ombak, where they have <laughs> the cameos, like, like you know, like they're the little Easter these... eggs, <laughs> and then they end up getting the support by the smokers. So, I think that I'm gonna take notes on that. Like, if you really want them, call them out <laughs> on your movie, get their intention. Um, yeah, I mean, anything else to add? Anything? What did you think happened at the end? Do you think that she met him? I would like to. <laughs> or do you think that it's also another almost dreamlike sequence? Right. Because we see Kenji arrested. Yeah. And yeah. also we see Noi in the house. Well, like, like, I mean, you know for a fact that Noi goes to Japan because, uh, you know, like, in that timeline, per se, like, we know that she's at the airport and she's about to leave. Mm-hmm. So, skipping forward in time, like, okay, obviously, she's in Osaka. Yeah. So, like, in that sense, I believe it. But, like, the question is, like, does she meet uh, Kenji... You're right. Does Kenji even, like, leave Thailand? Like, mm-hmm. does he actually get out of prison or wherever he ends up? Or does he go free? You know, like, that's yeah. not Like, my interpretation was, like, time... A lot of time passed. Like Noi, yeah, because yeah, of yeah. the haircut, it makes me think that a lot of time passed. And she could be like maybe, 30. yeah, exactly. Maybe she, maybe he was arrested. He even went to jail for some time, and mm-hmm. then finally came back to see her. That's my interpretation right. of it. But, but yeah, I mean, like the very last shot with we cut back to him in the um, interrogation room. Like, even if you like read into him, like he's looking up like he's daydreaming like you know it perfectly yeah. invokes that it is all in his head you know we're like it's a wishful thinking on his behalf yeah and not that it's an actual event in the future so know? if you think about it that way maybe it's it never happened it was just what he hoped <laughs> right <laughs> but what what did you think about the fact that you know in the in the middle of the film when he's about to you know he takes a whiff of uh the smoke yeah, yeah and yeah. he's like oh he can't smoke it but at the end of the film, he's like perfectly fine at smoking. See, see, you know what? That's when I was like there and I was like, was it all a lie? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Because he is a Yakuza too. You know that, right? Right, yeah. Because, you know, during when he comes out of the bath, you see his back and he's mm-hmm. all tattooed up as well. So it implies yeah. that he was part of the Yakuza as well. Right. And Which, like, that's something that I kind of knew from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. Like, yeah, I'm sure that he's also Yakuza. Just like... But it's you confirmed know, just, when you when you see that moment, right, right, right. But yeah, like to like he starts smoking and then he smokes regularly, and then you're just like, because hmm. huh. like, <laughs> like you, I, even like before that, there were some scenes where, like especially again when it kind of cuts to like Noi keeps switching costumes with um, Nid, and it's like is kind of like everything that we're watching is that Kenji's mind, you know? Like, right. Did he, like, wander somewhere on his own and then, like, found a house or something? Like, is, like, all this, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It kind of, like, and then the ending, that scene just kind of, like, nudges it towards that point. Like, hey, yeah, it could all be kind of fake, you know? No, I mean, I think I think they are real people. <laughs> it's yeah. not all in his mind, but... He's but, a psychopath, um... bro. Definitely, some of the things make you wonder whether or not it is actually real or just in mm-hmm. his mind. 
I mean, like, this is all purposeful. Like, this is all, like, what the film wants you to, wants you to kind of discuss and have a talk about. Like, there mm. is a huge level of surrealism throughout the film, you know? And I'm sure, you know, like, when they um, pan through the different items that are on the table? Right. At the end? Like, you know, the knife is there and all the different items that are there. Like, I, I, like, I, I wonder, I wonder if there's a clue there that tells uh-huh. us whether or not, you know it's real or not but i just haven't gone to that yet <laughs> up to that hey, point I, yet but I, I like made a mental note to look through like go back and like see it again to like notice something because i didn't know if like like i think the biggest takeaway would be like if the ashtray was in his like if he had the the portable the pendant, ashtray yeah. like yeah yeah it would have all been fake <laughs> you know mm. but probably not but where do you get two guns from is my question like he got the uh, one probably, from the bear but where do you get yeah. the other one from? Oh, that's true. I don't know. <laughs> like the black one. Because I was like... You don't know. It, uh, wait, wait, no. He got it from um the other guy who killed his brother. Oh, okay. okay, okay. He got the teddy bear gun. And then and the guy who gun. killed his brother had another gun. So right, those are right. two guns. Okay. But yeah. That's a that's a mental note to go back and see, but if the table is clean, then it's all good in the hood. You know what I mean? It's all <laughs> it, it's all real. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I did. I also did like the just like I mean the the movie is full of like little scenes, you know. Um, and I really like the um, like the way that like the objects are kind of portrayed, or that they have like a payoff to them. Like you know, with that ending scene, his gray bag. And then she notices the gray bag and it's like, oh, you know, that's him. Yeah. Like, kind of like a callback to going to the future. And then she still has the portable ashtray. And yeah. it's like, just like these different like mementos that kind of always kind of reoccur and have a bit of significance. And like, again, like back to the costume, that's kind of like a big one as well. Yeah, those are nice the, little points, little moments. All these little tidbits. It's a movie that's, just strangely tranquil yeah like, <laughs> like it's so it's funny that it's contrasting in um in that sense where the characters and the plot is like untranquil mm-hmm. in like the circumstances that they go through but th- the mood of it is like really calming in yeah. a strange way and it, also with like kenji who's like ocd and like super calm about everything as well but right but let's talk about their relationship. What is, what is some points you have about Kenji and Noi? Uh, they really have a weird relationship for sure. <laughs> but I think the dynamic between them was pretty interesting and kind of mm. intriguing. Just seeing how he's very methodical and kind of very OCD about everything. And she's very, I don't care about anything and just whatever about everything right and having those two come together and come together in a way where they can be mutual friends mm-hmm. and come to understand each other a little bit through um the loss that they have and also um right. you know just coming together to want something from each other i guess sure maybe implicitly um i thought that it was interesting and that the dynamic was very um well done yeah yeah i think um like the reason that they are together or like they're constantly together is you know simply that they don't want to be alone in a way right mm-hmm. i mean especially for noi who just lost her sister so she's kind of like pushing and pulls kenji throughout the film you know before yeah. she gradually kind of lets him in and um, they kind of grow closer in that sense. And then in Kenji's sake, you know, he's suicidal by nature, but he also doesn't want to be alone or wants to, like, be close with Noi because, I mean, she's, like, the only quote-unquote friend that he has or, like, somebody mm-hmm. that's not, like, you know, his brother's kind of an asshole and in that sense, you know? Like, yeah. not a negative aspect in his life, per se. But, no, I think it's super interesting that characteristically wise they are polar opposites like i said he's like super 
OCD. He's like super OCD about everything. The way that I see it is like he's a really confined person and then Noi's a really open person. You know, mm-hmm. like she has like this crazy amount of freedom about her. And then it, by the end of the movie, they I want to say that they wanted something from each other, but they ended up taking a piece of like each other into themselves. You know, where Kenji like wants to be more free and he ends up like that's why he like wants to go to Osaka where he finally decides to go back home. Obviously he wants to go with her. And then uh Noi kind of like becomes a little more refined at the end. Instead of being like she's kind of like a hot headed child in a little bit of a way, like really irresponsible. But she becomes more responsible by the end. And like, you know, she even wears like the suit, like the before she leaves to Japan and everything. Yeah, so and even, really... even get like her giving him the car, I think is kind of symbolic of of that and him kind of opening up a little bit because you know, like her car is like an open open roof <laughs> car too. Yeah, yeah. And the car is kind of symbolic of freedom mm. in that sense because you know, she uses it to drive around everywhere and they go to the beach together with the car and all of that. And she finally, you know, she gives him the car and says, you know, you drive it like it's yours now. Right. And I think that's kind of symbolic of that, of him, of her saying like, hey, you can be, you know, you take it and you go wherever you want. You can be free as well, kind of mm. free, of, free of the burden of like um, the dread and the kind of not right. wanting to live kind of thing, you know, and mm. finding a new meaning in, in life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they both and they they also both kind of, you know, develop a little bit of like a codependency codependency to them. I think that's where like the romance kind of aspects really start to fill in. Um I mean by the end she's gonna go to Japan with or without him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he kind of wants to chase after her. And then all that's kind of like supported at the very end where she's like really excited to see him again, uh once he like visits her apartment in Osaka or wherever. If that's yeah. real or not. If any of that actually happens. The last point I want to make is... I really like movies like this. In the sense that they're like cross-country, cross-foreign films. Right? So this is... This is a Thailand production film with a Thai director. But with like lots of Japanese actors. And basically more Japanese than even tie i would say probably like 60 40 maybe and i also find it interesting that like it's always english that it becomes the default <laughs> language between <laughs> two people you know yeah it's like oh you can't speak thai and i can't speak japanese but we can both speak english <laughs> um that's always interesting to see but yeah i i really like movies that uh have this aspect that kind of cross between because it's always it feels like new in a way and it's always mm-hmm. like refreshing but there's like so much that you can like do with that like taking mm-hmm. two foreign people and you know exploring like just a movie or exploring like a relationship between them it always what i found is that it always falls back into like it becomes like a story or like explores themes of like human nature you know like yeah. it doesn't like it never falls you know if you're watching a korean film or a japanese film or american film or whatever like that's specifically that like we talk about um you know we see a display of like how they handle relationships and like the social interactions between them and that you know my interest in foreign films is like watching how like that culture and how they socially play out in a movie but here it's like like a double negative in the sense that you can't really do that because now you have like someone who's thai and someone who's japanese and so it kind of falls down into like just two people who are trying to connect with each other you know yeah, and like a central theme of this movie at the end of the day is like humans want to connect with other humans. You know what I mean? Like despite having different languages or coming from different backgrounds or anything like that. You know, there's always like a common ground and unique and different odd relationships that even can happen out of that. So it's like there's just so much room to do with like doing it this way. So it's always a like a type of movie that I'm always looking for. We're going to do a series on it one day, Lee. Like I said, maybe not that for the next one, but I'll find a few. 
Um, what is our next one? What is our next series? Well, more convolutedness with time. Yep. We're going to do some time travel stuff. So, joke's on you, Lee. Going to get you more confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be on the theme of time travel. So, anything in that regard? The ones that I picked are both... No, no I take that back. One is like... A time travel romance and the other one's time travel dramedy i guess but more mm -hmm. comedy than drama um and then yours you've never even seen before because neither have i right yeah so they are uh the girl who left through time uh, it's a japanese film uh what year did that come out in? yeah no 2010 girl left through time we're not doing the original anime. We're actually going to do the live action one. So go ahead and hate on us if you want. But it's actually kind of good if memory serves me right. And I hope it does. Um, we're also doing Heaven Soldier. And Ditto. Both are Korean. South Korean. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And then... The last one is My Tomorrow, Your Yesterday, which is also Japanese. I think that one's 16 or maybe 15. I think um, it's 2016. Probably 2016. And that is the <laughs> romance time travel one. Yeah. Um, which I've seen both of mine. I've only seen them once and it's been like a while. So I really don't like remember much. I remember like My Tomorrow, Your Yesterday being like, not amazing, but, like, good enough. But it is a little convoluted, if I remember, of, like, how the time travel mechanics work. <laughs> I remember, like, I the only thing I remember is, like, a specific scene where they're, like, drawing, like, because they're in school. And she's, like, drawing, like, on the chalkboard, like, how it works. And then, like, me sitting on my screen, like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I watched the two and I thought it was pretty good. Um but nothing like nothing crazy, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like like good enough. <laughs> like I said, mm -hmm. it's nothing crazy, but fine. And then Heaven's Orange Soldier or Heaven Soldier and Ditto. Haven't seen it before, it should be interesting. They're both yeah. older because you know, Lee picked them, so <laughs> don't don't expect anything before two thousand or after two thousand ten from him. Um but yeah, so we're going to start with The Girl Who Left Your Time next week, and we'll see you there. Bye.